Hello, travelers. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. And this is True Crime International. Did that sound like our music? Um, Because that's what I was doing. You know that the end where it goes... Yeah. That's my favorite part. I love the end of it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. (laughs) Shout out to Jay. (laughs) So... Oh, shit. You didn't fucking clear your throat. (laughs) Are you happy now? (laughs) (laughs) No. Never. (laughs) So, Angelica, where are we off to? Uh, so today we're traveling to Italy, which like has become my country, I guess, because this is like my third case. Um, yep. But like, I have a weird attachment to things. We know this, so it makes sense. <laughs> like, there I've will loved... probably be more Italy cases done by Angelica. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Almost. Angelica's Italy. I'm Japan. <laughs> and Rye, I don't feel like you have a. I don't feel like you have a country yet, but we're still working on it. I'm like Eastern Europe. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, one time I'm definitely gonna do a case involving, like, the Borgia family, because it's why, like, technically they're Spanish, but, like, they, they lived in Italy because the Pope, he was the Pope. Crossover. Yeah. (laughs) A crossover. (laughs) I, I didn't pick this case, technically. It was, it was Isabella. So... As you know, starting with the Madeline McCann case, we're uh, doing a couple bigger cases and separating it into two episodes. This one is mine, being the Amanda Knox case. So the first one will be up Monday, a date, and Wednesday, (laughs) a date. (laughs) Today is Monday, and the first episode is up. The second one will be up on Thursday of the same week. (laughs) Actually, it's actually going to be Monday the 1st and Thursday the 4th. That worked out really well. Thursday. Oh, Monday the first of Monday and Thursdays. And then Thursday the fourth of February. Okay. Anyway. This is this is why I make the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I literally never know what day it is. Sometimes so. I look at the calendar and I'm like, so what? Who's supposed to do this next? I can't figure it out, and I'm just like, this is why Riley does this because yeah. Angelica <laughs> and I would fuck this up. We really would. Um. Uh, but I'm really excited to hear you talk about this case. I poured myself a little glass of wine in preparation. I just oh feel like this is a wine case. Yeah. It, it is, to be honest. And um, it's, it's 4 p.m. Well, it's almost 5 p.m. where I am, so it's fine. Yeah. I have unsweetened iced tea from Tim Hortons. If you know, you fucking know. I'm running on coffee. A lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> I mean, um, that's you always. Yes, always. Um, But going in, I literally didn't know anything about this case because I used to live under a rock. Um, I just knew Isabella's opinion of what went down and that she specifically wanted me to do it. So I started watching the Netflix documentary and like 10 minutes in, I texted the group and said, Isabella, I need you to be honest. Did you want me to do this case? Because I remind you of Amanda. (laughs) And to no one's surprise. 100%. And actually, I told my mom about it too, that you texted me that. And she was like, oh, 100%. Angelica's like, Amanda. 
I I don't know if this is worse than people telling me how much I reminded them of Kylo Ren when the newer Star Wars films came out or not. <laughs> Who said that to you? Like several people. And oh I told someone else and they were like, that that's not great. And I was like, uh-oh. I I just give anti-hero vibes. It's fine. <laughs> you really um, do, though. And also your attraction to every anti-hero doesn't help that either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, talking to Angel about this um, like a couple hours ago and I for some reason when I think Amanda Knox the only face that comes into my little brain is Kristen Stewart and so to me Kristen Stewart is the face of this case why so she didn't even play her in the movie I no. don't know well I, I you know what I don't know I don't know. I think it's because of like one specific photo from the case that I think looks like Kristen Stewart. And so mm-hmm. ever since then, it's only it's only been Kristen Stewart for me. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so I'm an interesting flavor of human. So is Amanda. And I'm going to start with some background on her and then we're going to dive right in. Angelica, if you were an ice cream, you would be mystery flavor and then the flavor would be like olive oil. see that's the thing i've had olive oil ice cream and at first you're like what is this this makes no sense and then you try it and it's fantastic um i'll i'm fantastic if you try me (laughs) oh my god please move on (laughs) um so though this case occurred in italy amanda was actually born in seattle washington uh don't know why I said that. It's so weird, but and that's where she lived for her whole life until 2007. Um, she went to high school there and then college at the University of Washington. Didn't you go there, Bella? No, I went to Washington State University. Okay, well, us okay. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> uh, she was really smart too. She was on the dean's list, stuff like that. Uh, but she wanted more in her life, and like, dude, I get it. And she clearly also got attached to things because after traveling to Italy with her family at 15 and also being into books that, like, under the Tuscan sun, she was like, hmm, I'm a study abroad in Italy. Get it, Uh, girl. What? I said, get it, girl. Oh, yeah. And, like, look, Amanda was a really carefree person. Uh, She knew she was kind of different and didn't fit into a box that society always tries to lump people into. And that's that's literally fine. Same. Uh, (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again. Same. Same. (laughs) Part of her wanted to go to Italy to explore, like, see things like that stone-cold haughty David. (sighs) Who is David? Which David? Okay, first of all, is there was a there was a pun. There was a pun. The stone cold. It should have set in, guys. Oh I'm talking about the statue of David. Fuck y'all. I get you now, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Riley is like no. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. It's fine. Um she wanted to just explore herself also, find out who she was as a person. Same. <laughs> when she made the decision to go to Italy, she was going to be 20 years old studying abroad. And that's like such a great time to do that and find yourself. Like, I'm not going to fault her for that. No, of course not. I mean, I moved abroad at 22 and I would have done it sooner if I could have. Like, 
and I meet so many people who are studying abroad. And I, I always find that whenever I meet Americans abroad, they're so much more fun than a lot of Americans I meet in America. And I always get along with them really well because it's just a uh, you're like minded, you know? Yeah. Uh some of her family was a little nervous about her going because she was young and they didn't really know if she was like mature enough to do that on her own. But honestly, you learn by doing a lot of the time. So it was a good shot at like trying to be independent, but also being with people that were doing something similar because she was still in a program. Yeah. In Italy, she'd be leaving. she'd be living with three other girls in perugia which is a city that's known for having like a large population of university students so really like i said it's the gray area of being independent but still having a community you can just fall back into she moved into a four-bedroom apartment on september 20th of 2007 Two Italian women were already moved in, I believe. One was named Philomena. I don't know the other one's name. Eh, she's not part of the story, really. And then another exchange student from England had moved in 10 days earlier, and her name was Meredith Kircher. I have a question. Did Amanda already know Italian when she moved there? Unclear? Question mark? I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah, I, I really think she must have. Okay. I mean, I am not so sure because a lot of the Americans I've met who study abroad here in Spain, even though Spanish is a big language in the States, they don't really speak Spanish whatsoever. Yeah, but her and family, just... like, traveled to Italy a lot. I don't know. I, I'm i not but sure. Still, I know not, she doesn't knows... mean you speak it. She knew some. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure she knew some, but I, I I have my doubts that she was fluent just because knowing what the language education is like in the States, because I studied Spanish, which is the second most spoken language there. And the educate this, the, the language education really wasn't very good, um, even I'm at the university though, level. I how she was able to work at a bar without being able to yeah, speak Yeah, that's it. why I think she understood it. But if, really if well. it's in, I mean, I'm not saying she didn't speak any but I don't feel like she was fluent because especially if she's in a university town or a touristy area, they want people that speak English. Yeah. She did she did talk to her boss in, in Italian though. Yeah. She like talked- when she texted him, she texted him in Italian. Yeah. And I think she was interrogated in Italian too. Yeah. I do so. really think that she was pretty fluent. Amanda pretty quickly settled into life in Italy. And in some instances, she thought her program was just like too easy. Again, I get it. Uh, So apart from (laughs) hanging out with new friends, she also got a job at a bar that was run by Patrick Lumumba. But she was really making the most of her experience, and I applaud her for it. She spent time with Meredith as well. Like, they went to festivals, concerts, etc. They bonded, but they weren't, like, besties either. At one of these concerts, which occurred on October 25th, she met a 23-year-old buddy named Rafael Solicito, who was an Italian engineer student. And it was like instant chemistry, pretty much, since they locked eyes. So cute. Um, Also, Rafael acknowledged that he was like super awkward and really shy. And Amanda was an extrovert. So I think they really did level each other out very well. And, like, they were cute from what I saw. So I feel like 
it was like definitely in the honeymoon phase of their relationships because honestly that's all they got to experience what's up you're raising your hand riley yeah i was just gonna ask if like their relationship only only um spanned the time that this all happened or like did it their relationship was five days long Okay, cool. And I'll talk cool, 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 about that. It was cool, five cool. days long. So, like, because of that, I wouldn't say either one of them was, like, blindly loyal to the other. And I say that now because it's going to relate to, like, one of my only opinions I have regarding who or who wasn't involved. Um, okay. And what happened literally a week after they met. I'll come back to that. Uh, okay. Also... <laughs> Riley, when she saw a picture of him, was like, this, this boy looks like a Hufflepuff. <laughs> he's straight. He looks like he's straight out of Hufflepuff. He like, really he does. is in Hogsmeade right now with those yeah. glasses and that yellow scarf. It's the yellow scarf that really does it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that man is like smoking oaken. So he like <laughs> truly evolved out of his awkward phase, but... <laughs> I don't know how you don't know if we were a movie by Hannah Montana, but you say Smoke and Oaken. That's literally from Hannah Montana, from Oliver Oaken. Okay, listen. I didn't have cable, so I only watched parts of Hannah Montana. Like, it was a great part of my childhood. Don't get me wrong. It was from her album. I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Anyway, uh, there's the backstory, which honestly isn't plentiful, because keep in mind, Amanda has been in Italy for less than two months. Like, that's an exceptionally short time. Oh, wow, yeah. And, like, time to start some semblance of a life, but not exactly to, like, cement one. Like, I don't know. No, especially, like, those first two months that you move to a foreign country, they go by like that. They, like, you don't even realize everything that you've done in those two months. And it's, like, it all happens so quickly. I don't remember what happened the last two months that I was here in my either (laughs) where I've lived for the last 22 years. Honestly, I was just, I was just in Michigan in my hometown for two months and I couldn't tell you everything I did. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Couldn't tell you everything I did this morning. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) on October 2nd, Amanda came back to her apartment from Raphael's where she had spent the night as her, like her boss said she didn't need to come into work. So she got to spend the night. And like I said, They had a lot of chemistry, so obviously they were spending a lot of time together. I think Amanda did call Meredith before she went back home, but Meredith didn't answer. Which was a little strange, because I guess Meredith was someone to, like, always have her phone on her. But like I said, they weren't super tight, so I don't think it was, like, a huge indicator versus if they were, like, super close. Like, literally the other day, Riley asked Joy if I was okay because I didn't reply to anything. And usually if she's, like, taking a nap, she'll reply when she wakes up in, like, max no. two hours. But this was, like, I had texted her, like, four times at, like, two-hour increments throughout the day. And I was like, is something wrong with her? I was. Did I, I there do was something, something wrong? wrong? There was something wrong. I was puking <laughs> from 8 o'clock a.m. to 10 o'clock p.m. It was a good? bad day. Huh? Are you okay? Did you have, like, a stomach bug or were you just deeply hungover? Uh, a little bit of both, I'd like to say. Um, <laughs> it was really messed up. It was a messed up day. I finished um, the Babysitter's Club TV show, watched both <laughs> Princess Diaries, watched a little Sabrina, um, Julie and the Phantoms. It was a day. Uh, <laughs> went to sleep to 17 again. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> so she went home. And what did occur to me is like, or what did occur is a little odd to me. But we've established Amanda is a little odd. And also not, not even that, but some people don't like read into things the other, the way others do. And like, I'm a paranoid bitch, but like some people aren't. So this is the part where me and Amanda are not alike. <laughs> when she got home, the door was ajar, but she didn't Bad notice sign. anything weird. <laughs> what? Bad sign. The right? door should so never weird. be ajar. I'm, I'm usually like the some people that aren't, but like the door right no exactly no 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 like if someone that normally answers their phone doesn't one time i'm not gonna think much of it especially you know they've known each other two months and they're not besties it's i i really can understand why she didn't think anything of it but if i got home and the door was ajar i wouldn't even go in literally literally but she went inside and she was like no one's home and and like Raphael later he like acknowledges Who? like this, <laughs> I, I i had Raphael. <laughs> Raphael. he he notices he was like, he was like, that was a weird thing to do, dude. That was weird. <laughs> but uh, so she just went to take a shower, which again, like not something you, that's especially not where you want to be. Especially. Literally. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like weird about taking showers when like no one's home in general. Yeah. But like if no one was home and I, f- I came home to the door being open. No. I'm not going to take a shower. That's when psycho happens. Literally. Exactly. That's when you get stabbed in the shower. Yeah. Before her shower, she noticed a little bit of blood in the sink. But, like, honestly, that's the least concerning place to see blood. Because sinks, like, see a lot of blood. Like, Especially it when you're living with three other people. <laughs> three other yeah. women. Yeah. Especially. Like, if it was, if it was, like, just me living alone or even, like, if I was living with one of you and I saw a little bit of blood, I'd be like... That's kind of weird, but also yeah. seeing as how we live our lives, no, not really weird at all. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so she just went and took a shower. But stepping out of the shower, she saw there was also a smear of blood that included a footprint on the bath mat. And then she noticed some, some poo in the other bathroom. And she did admittedly the, okay. the, think the that footprint, these things were weird. The footprint... Someone could have, like, cut their leg shaving, and maybe it just bled a lot more than usual. Yeah. The the poop in the toilet that someone didn't flush? That's yeah, what that's would get weird. me. That <laughs> yeah. is what would get me. And Throw and, back to the Japan case. The guy just pooped right? and left. Literally. Literally. Don't know what this... Like, stop doing this. I ask of you, stop doing this. Uh, to all the murderers out there, please stop pooping. Yeah. <laughs> This poop in the toilet did not look like how I thought the poop in the toilet no. was going to look. There was so much smears, too. It was, it was like that had a it's wacky like very exit. dark. And like, okay, I'm going to gag. I can't stop talking about this. This guy had stomach problems, though. Uh, he had IBS. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to post a picture of this because I don't want it. I don't You can Google the poop again. if you, you want to Google, Google the poop, but we don't need to post a picture of it. Yeah. She also then found Meredith's Meredith's bedroom door was locked. And I'm not sure, like, how she found it out. But I'm, like, guessing some of the other doors were open. She saw Meredith's was shut and maybe tried it. It was, I don't know. And she also notices a broken window in one of the other rooms. And she officially was like, okay, something is not right. (laughs) Uh, 
Maybe maybe we just taken too much true crime, but I would have stopped at the door was ajar. Me too. It worries me. Okay, it worries me that the door was ajar first. Yeah. Yeah. And then she didn't even check the whole apartment. No, bro. She didn't. Like, if my door was open, I'd be, like, sneaking around that thing, trying no, to see what's going I on. I go and in. Check everything before I... Well, if I were to go in. I wouldn't. Yeah. But if I were yeah. to, that's what I would do. I would just Yeah, and if someone. I were to go in and I found blood in the sink, even if it's just a little bit, and then a, a stain on the bath mat, I would be super concerned. Because, yeah. like, if I came home and the door was closed and I found those things, I would be like, that's weird, but I wouldn't necessarily be worried. Particularly, like, the, the, the footprint on the bath mat, it's not small and it's not subtle. No. Like, and it, it could have been someone just cutting their leg, but I, if, like, if, the, if the door was closed and I came home to that... I wouldn't be super concerned. Yeah. But because the Until door was Until I saw the that, broken window. Yeah. Yeah. Then I It shouldn't have taken that long. The the door being ajar should have been the very first indication. Also, like, <laughs> it took even longer because she ended up calling both Philomena and Raphael to let them know what was going on. And Raphael ended up coming to the apartment. And he, like I said, he found it really weird that she had a shower <laughs> before letting them know. But he just tried to help open Meredith's door. But it was to no avail. Oh my god, I wrote no with a K. (laughs) (laughs) I really need to stop writing these when I'm like half awake. But that's how I am all the time. They really need to stop tampering with all this evidence. I know. Which like, they're not the only ones at fault for doing that. But you'll see. Uh, They ended up calling the police at 12.51pm. And they came to investigate. This wasn't mentioned in the documentary, but I think it's noteworthy. Another source stated that apparently the police wouldn't break open the door because they didn't think they needed to. And Philomena ended up having a friend break it down. Which I just, like, hope isn't the case. But it's out there, so it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. And also, like, why wouldn't they open it? Because if the front door open wasn't suspicious enough, there was blood, a broken window. Also, Meredith's phone had been found by someone and returned to the police. So why not open it? Where was it found? Do you know? I have no idea, no. Okay, cool. So, so, so someone is missing from the apartment. There's blood in the apartment. The door's ajar. Um, there's a broken window. They found the phone of the person. They don't know where they are. And that, that door is locked. And they're like, no, nah, we don't need to open it. Maybe right. not. I feel a little lazy. It's not, it's not important. Yeah. And like, however the events take place, they do get into the room. And eventually they let Amanda know Meredith has been killed. I'm going to describe the scene that they found. So if you don't want to hear and parts like might be triggering, like I want to give that warning maybe fast forward like 30 seconds uh but the room is a mess there was blood everywhere there's several pieces of meredith's clothing covered in blood including a bra so she was not wearing any clothes meredith has been covered in a comforter which makes the police think there was like some sort of remorse felt by whoever did this meredith herself is in bad condition She had a cut on her throat, and the autopsy later revealed that she had seven cuts and 16 bruises. Some of the cuts were, like, really small. I think they were, like, signs of a struggle, maybe defensive wounds. But they weren't, like, 
they didn't really pay attention heavily to these wounds because they did believe that Meredith had been essentially motionless during the attack. The investigators... Huh? huh? I just said, huh. Oh, yeah, huh. Yeah. Uh, The investigators noted that the wound on her neck was, like, so striking as in they just hadn't seen that level of violence before. There were signs of sexual violence as well in the form of abrasions, and they do find DNA traces here as well. But as far as I could tell, it was not sperm. We'll go more into depth with the evidence in part two, because... It really There's a lot. Yeah. They also establish pretty quickly, I would say, like, the most confusing part. uh, That they don't believe that the break-in really was a break-in. The broken window was in Philomena's room. And at first it was thought that someone had, like, thrown a rock from outside to break in. Because there was a rock in the room. But the shutters on the outside of Philomena's window were still shut and they continued to be on the days following. So if someone had broken the window from outside, they would have needed to open the shutters. They would have needed the shutters to be unlocked too. So it just doesn't make sense. Were the shutters locked from inside? I'm not sure if they were locked, but like the whoever broke in would have to like depend on that being unlocked to break in. But... True. I guess they could have moved the shutters back, but yeah. I don't know. But also nothing appeared to be gone. So they just think it was made to look like a break-in intentionally. Gotcha. We'll also talk about this some more in part two. Uh, during this time, Amanda and Raphael are both outside. And they are being affectionate. And they do, like, exchange kisses. But in my personal opinion, it does look like Amanda is at the very least sad. She looks really flushed. And in... The way that she's, like, overwhelmed and alarmed. But a lot of people just don't like her reaction. They think that it should be more. Well, like, she only... She's in a foreign country, and she only knew Meredith for, like, two months. So, like... Yeah. And they weren't, like, super good friends. Obviously, it's very, like, shocking and startling, but... I don't know. She probably... Everyone reacts reacts to things like this differently. And she was probably just didn't know what to do. Like, she was probably like, what what the hell is going on? Exactly. There's no reason for her to be, like, completely emotionally distraught and grieving because... Yeah, she knew her and she liked her. I mean, in that in that moment, she could still be in shock. That's why she's not really showing emotion. Like, you never know how you're going to react in those sorts of situations. And sometimes exactly. people's reactions are definitely fishy. But I do think that in cases like this, reading into those reactions and saying, like, she didn't react strongly enough. It's, people put a lot of people put way too much weight on her reaction right, right after all of this happened. Yeah, And... But, you know, they do get more of a reaction from her because they eventually have Amanda come back to the apartment to look at the knife drawer to see if she can tell them if anything's missing because they they don't have a murder weapon. While this is going on, Amanda gets hysterical. She starts slamming her hands against her head, especially like by her ears. And the investigator kind of thinks this is because she's recalling Meredith's screams. So part of him believes that maybe Amanda had something to do with this. No, I think she's just very overwhelmed. Yeah, and they get one more reaction. Granted, I understand why people think it's weird. They get this by tapping into her phone three days later. 
she's talking to an old friend first about Raphael, and then she really casually says, quote, I had a really bad day today. Fuck, man. End quote. But she also, like, does illustrate that she's having a bad time of it. She's nervous, feels like crying, but she, like, also feels good now that she's talking to a friend. And I just find this to be, like, less than incriminating. Less than incriminating. And, like, like we talked about. But Isabella and Riley can both tell you that I very, very rarely react to things appropriately. Like, I just cannot do it. The Hozier lyric, she's a giggle at a funeral. That is me. That is me. (laughs) And so I get Amanda's reaction. So I don't think that they should really take all of this to extreme value. Because, like everyone said... And People also, you react can have, differently. You can have bad days without, like, having something to do with a crime. I mean, yeah. like, like she's probably having a bad day because... It's because of the police. That's what she's talking yeah. about. And also, they really love to bring up the fact that Amanda curses, but also, same bro, it does not indicate that someone's aggressive. No, not... No. I mean, Doesn't not... It, no. <laughs> no. I'm the least confrontational person ever. And I swear like a fucking sailor. Literally. Literally. I swear all the time. It doesn't mean anything. They end up bringing Raphael in on the 5th. And even though they didn't ask her to, Amanda tags along. Like I said, they're pretty inseparable right now. Uh, During their, like, I guess, interrogation. (laughs) Interrogation of Raphael, he he notes that they got aggressive with him and they call Amanda names say she's a slut, etc. He gets incredibly overwhelmed and confused when they ask him repeatedly what happened the night before, and he eventually changes his story and says that Amanda actually left his place at around 1 a.m. rather than stay the whole night as he had indicated previously. Hmm. And the fact is, Amanda did have the night off, so she really could have stayed the night at Raphael's. But soon, it seems like they also confuse Amanda, and another name is brought into the story. Patrick Lumumba, her boss at the pub. Rye is going to give you the details on why. So, during the police interrogations that Angel was just talking about with Raphael and with Amanda, they wanted to go through Amanda's phone. And she was like, sure, go ahead. Like, go through my phone. You'll see that I never left Raphael's. Like, I didn't have to go to work. So they find this text that she sent to her boss, Patrick, which when translated, like when she translated it in in the documentary, it said, we will see each other later. Have a good night. And this is because Patrick told her that she didn't have to come to work, which like makes sense. Yeah, literally makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) But the police tried to tell her that this text meant that she was going to see someone and she just wasn't remembering. Like they were like, no, this means that you were, you had plans to go meet up with someone. And during this, one of the, the, the police that was interrogating her even slapped her on the back of the head and told her to remember, like was yelling at her. And this honestly just kind of like sent her into a spiral because it confused her. So she said that she remembered being in front of Raphael's apartment like on the street like indicating that she had left at whatever time and then she remembers her front door being open 
And then her seeing Patrick in his brown leather jacket and also hearing Meredith screaming. And I have problems with this. Same. Because she gave this story, I guess you could call it, while they were literally slapping her on the back of the head and yelling at her. And I have a lot of problems with police interrogation, but uh, we're not going to get into that. (laughs) And even the cops were confused by this because it, like, implicated her as an accomplice in, in the crime that was committed. But they were like, okay, whatever. And they arrested all three of them, her, Raphael, and Patrick. And they brought them all in. But then Patrick had an alibi for the night. And and this alibi was that a customer came forward to the police and said that he had talked to Patrick several times that night, the night of the murder, at the bar that Patrick was the owner of. Which meant that Patrick never left the bar. There's no way that Patrick could have been at Amanda's house. And so with this alibi, he was released three weeks later. Which three weeks is a long time. But he was released three weeks later. Yeah. And also, I just, like, okay, back to those text messages, like, have a good night, see you later. Like, (laughs) why would she be hanging out with him later? Like, they're not friends. Exactly. That's her boss. He's he's her boss. Like, yeah. uh, That she's known for, like, a month. Literally. Like, they are not tight. They wouldn't be hanging out. Like, she clearly meant, I'll see you later when I have another shift. (laughs) Yeah, like... Who who doesn't say see you later? A lot of a lot of people. I mean, I I don't speak Italian, but here in Spain, uh, more commonly we say hasta luego instead of adios. Yeah, it's literally yeah. see you later. It's or when, and it just when I means when goodbye. I leave work at the end of the night, I'm like see you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. and like because I probably will see those people tomorrow or later yeah. in the day like and I, later doesn't mean later that day later just means later at some yeah, other time literally. it is not specific whenever i say goodbye to like riley on the phone i'm like see you later because i don't know we could talk again that day <laughs> or we could just talk in like the next day i don't know like it's a it's a vague reply it does not mean that they're hanging out tonight Exactly. <laughs> what really bothers me in the initial investigation with the Italian police is how much they read into Amanda's behavior. Yeah. Just because Same. they don't like how she reacts to things. Like, they, they're really making a lot of shit up, it feels like, just because they don't like the way she reacts. Yeah. I admit her, the way she discovers everything doesn't look good. Yeah. No. It really does not. But you can't. To, to say that, you know, she was in cahoots with Lumumba because she said, see you later. Yeah, after he told her she didn't have to come into work. That doesn't mean shit. Literally doesn't make anything. Make anything. A- any sense. Make anything at all. <laughs> but with Patrick out of the picture, the police and the public are once again left with the belief that this was Amanda and Raphael's doing. And because I don't want to end this episode on a tangent of me getting frustrated at stereotypes <laughs> and sexualization, I'm going to continue this case in three, three days, uh, <laughs> where you'll also be able to not only listen to how this case wraps up, but to me, absolutely raging. Um, so that's where we're ending part one yeah, today is what she means. That's where we're ending part one. <laughs> uh, before we get into like all the plugs and stuff, we have some extremely exciting news. So exciting. 
watching Sucky News. Drum please. As you all know, we have a Patreon, which costs five dollars a month if you can afford that and want to listen to us more but but we have a new patron that we have no idea who she is which is so exciting because even like we know who she is now yeah like but like we like we we're so excited that people who aren't we're so excited that people who aren't directly involved in our lives enjoy this podcast enough to want to listen to us talk out of our asses more yeah so this one goes out to Nina. 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 Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much, Nina. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Nina's the first person to sign up for Patreon that has not interacted with us on any social media. And she's the second person overall that we've never met. So thank you so much, Nina. We really she's love a you, ghost, appreciate you. But we she's appreciate her. Nina, if you're out there, just just Say give hi. us like a co- just give us like a smiley face comment or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say hi. We just um, wanna we just wanna be able to like it and give you the love and appreciation you deserve. Thank you. Unless so much. you don't have social media, then um, Apple Podcasts. If you don't have then, Apple Podcasts, I don't know. email us. Email us. Then, email then us. just then just reply to my. I I Nina, I sent you a message on Patreon. Just reply to it, okay? And yeah. we'll, send, we'll send you extra emojis. <laughs> Anyway, um, if you want to find pictures of part one of this case, you can find it on our Instagram and our Facebook. Our Instagram is at truecrimeintl, and our Facebook, just Google the... Google. Google. Just Just Facebook. (laughs) That's a different company. Yeah. (laughs) Just Facebook search the group True Crime International, Um, and you can find us there. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple. Podcast. Apple Podcasts. Uh, a five star review if, yeah. if you would like to, please. That'd be five really star nice. reviews really help boost the show. Also, I'm going to say this again because we just haven't mentioned enough. If you want to recommend a case to us, we have a Google form on our Instagram um, on the top in our little link tree. In our bio. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> We, we hope, hope you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Who's doing it? Me? You can do it. Do okay. it both at once. Are you ready? We hope you learned something, learned new, something new, and we new, hope and you, you enjoyed your stay, stay here at, at True Crime International. International. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.